0: Seated. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you that we have this time to gather together that's different than other times, Lord. That in this moment, uh, we're expectant to meet you in this place, that you are our King and that your kingdom would be made known and manifest within our lives. And Lord, we met you in a time of praise and adoration. Lord, we meet you in your word and we expect it to come into our hearts, to pierce our hearts, Lord, that it wouldn't come back void. Lord, we anticipate meeting you in the breaking of the bread, so help us continue to remain open to the things you want to speak and do, so that we could leave here different from the way we came in, because we met with you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Today in, in the Gospel of Mark, we're at chapter 1, and it really begins to ask us quick questions the way that Mark has outlined. And and there's immediate questions as you're reading in the beginning of Mark's gospel that come into question. And the questions are, who is Jesus? What is the kingdom of God? And how do I respond to that? So who is Jesus? What is the kingdom of God? And and how do I respond? And and Mark moves us through an understanding in a way that that would be revealed to us. And and it's, it's kind of quickly as that unfolds as you read In Mark's gospel. And right in the beginning of Mark's gospel in chapter 1, it starts off with the proclamation of Jesus. That Mark says at the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Right in the beginning, he, he gives this understanding, this proclamation of who Jesus is. Then it goes to the baptism of Jesus. Then the temptation of Jesus. And then today in verse 14, what we see is the ministry of Jesus. That's what's unfolding now. That we understand what takes place, and that we begin to see that this ministry of Jesus is unfolding, and this is how it begins. And in Mark 1, chapter 14, uh, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That, that John, who represented really the, the the finalization of the old covenant, who who brought the word to prepare your hearts in preparation of the coming Messiah, that that old covenant has been fulfilled and a new covenant has come, which would be in Christ Jesus. That that it's all being fulfilled and it begins to show us that as John is put in prison that Jesus came to Galilee, this unfolding of who he was. And in verse 15 it quotes Jesus and it says this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. That the first words out of the mouth of Jesus, as Mark reports them, is to serve as a summary statement of the life and the work of Jesus. That very verse, uh, in, in, cha- in chapter 1, verse 15. And in my preparation, in my prayer, and asking God, Lord, you know, reveal this scripture, I've read it a bazillion times. What would you want to say to us today as we gather and as much as I tried to force in verse 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, I got stuck on 15. And I got stuck on 15 because it reveals more to us than I think we understand. And, and, and if we don't get this, we don't get who Jesus is. We don't understand the kingdom of God, and then how do we proceed? So this is one of the most important things that we've got to come to understand right now is in that statement in verse 15 and what Jesus said. And the first thing he said is the time is fulfilled. And then he said the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's, that's what he unfolds. And, and the time is fulfilled really meaning that the Messiah has come. When he made that statement, the time is fulfilled, it means the Messiah has come. And the ancient Greek would have two meanings for the word time. And it's chronos and karos. And, and those two different meanings are really important because what signifies what Jesus said is something that we have to get an understanding for. Now, chronos, what it talks about is a chronological or a sequential time. That's chronos. Your watch is, is, is chronos time that we look at. And karos signifies a proper or an opportune time for action. That there's a response. Kronos, we can look at it as a quality or a quantity of time. Karos is this quality of time. And there's something different. And in this moment, it's karos. It's saying it's a karos moment right now. What Jesus is saying that Messiah has come right now in this time. This, this is different than all other times that we have to understand. What he's saying is the old covenant has been fulfilled. That the prophecies that you've read of, that you anticipated uh, to happen, is all being fulfilled. All those things are happening right now in this moment. So this moment is different than all other moments before. And that we're to lay hold of this moment right now, of this time, and what that means. What For us, it's, it's a wake-up call. It's it's a sounding the alarm. It's a a time uh, now for a decision. It's a time for action. That's the difference of Kairos versus Kronos, that there's a response required to that statement, the time is now. And just as they would have to respond, so too do we have to respond to that. This is not a time to languish in complacency or self-satisfaction, that we don't procrastinate, delay, we don't second guess. Jesus said the time has come, and that time is now. What this means is this is a God moment. It's a God moment. And that was being revealed through Jesus Christ. And and this God moment is taking place, and we have to see that. Because everything else we'll read past verse 15 won't make any sense if we don't understand verse 15. The time has come. Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 15, 4 through 5, but when the fullness of time had come, what do you think he's talking about? When that fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman under the law, the old covenant. And in verse 5, this is why, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. At the time, the fullness of time has come, that that moment has taken place now. And that we don't want to miss that moment. We want to understand it. No longer Paul saying that we'd be slaves. But we're now adopted heirs of his kingdom. Say that's good news. Okay. Just making sure you have a pulse this morning. That's all. Remember, you're the later service. You're supposed to be more awake. That's how this thing works. You had two cups of coffee. There's grace and mercy to those who come earlier. And, and I can remember playing football and, and as one of the captains on the team that we, we, we would uh, come into the stadium. We were at the time that we were going to play against our opponent. And what we had in that moment as a captain was, was, was kind of our, 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 our anthem or a way that we would begin to prepare ourselves and what we're going to face in that moment of what's going to come next. And it was different than other moments. It's different than what happened a week prior. But that we would enter into that place and we would come against that opponent. And as a captain, we would get to say, what time is it? And the team would respond with a response that says, it's war time. That it was a different moment. I would say, what time is it? And they would respond, it's war time. That we're, we're looking at right now is different than, a diff- than the moment before. And how we're going to go forward and face this new understanding of what's in front of us? It's a different moment. And Jesus said, "The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand." So, church, it becomes for us: What time is it? And we might go wartime. And I would say you answered correctly, but you answered correctly with the understanding that wartime has to do with the greatest battle in your life that will ever take place is in your heart. That's the war. That's the battle. That's what Jesus died for. And that we have to understand that's, that's what's going on when Jesus is presenting his kingdom. What's the battle? What's going on? That wartime has to do with what's going on in our hearts. But what Jesus is saying, it's, it's, it's kingdom time. To understand that it's a God time. It's a God moment. And the kingdom of God has come, and Jesus is the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Do you understand that? That prior to that moment, prior to the birth of Christ, that all of a sudden in this moment, and now as he moves his ministry forward, it's God's kingdom coming to earth, being manifested in humanity. And all of a sudden, all other moments are different. And God's kingdom is being revealed through the life of Jesus Christ. And that radically changes all other understandings. And when Jesus says his kingdom is at hand, that's putting all other kingdoms on notice. God's kingdom is at hand. It's different. See, the Jews had an inaccurate understanding of that idea of what it meant of the coming of the Messiah, what the Messiah would do for them. It was, it was a misunderstanding. See, they believed that the Messiah would lead them to this political independence. They believed that this civil peace would come or a personal prosperity was what they were expecting for the Messiah to come and bring to a Jewish people. And instead of a military champion, what they got was someone who was a meek as a lamb. It was very different than what they would understand was going to take place. And Jesus came to remove the barrier between humanity and God. That's why he came. He was going to remove now that barrier that took place. Jesus came to tear down the kingdoms of this world that have deceived our hearts. That's what he came to tear down. That kingdom that we've built up, those little kingdoms that exist in our lives that reject his kingdom. And that's what he came to to tear down that's what he came to reveal to us and the only way into the kingdom of god what jesus was saying is to repent and believe in the gospel that's the only way and to repent simply means to change direction of your life that's what repentance is it's a change of direction that that it, it it's a moment where our belief system is now changed in other words i believed a certain way In my life, and I understand things in this world or things about God in a certain way. But in a moment, my belief has changed. And as a result of what I believe has changed, it's caused me to a place of repentance. It caused me to a place of willing to to change the way I think and live. And that's what he's calling us to. When we understand a time has come, his kingdom is at hand that we're led to that place of change. See, replent- repentance is to completely surrender yourself to God. Amen. That's repentance. Not a little bit, not somewhat, but it's a willingness, will I be completely surrendered to God? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. That godly sorrow leads to repentance, worldly sorrow leads to regret. And there's a difference. See, when we have godly sorrow, we no longer have regrets. That godly sorrow leads us to a place of repentance because of what we now believe. And there's a difference between the two of repentance and regret. Regret focuses on self. Repentance focuses on others. I'll give you an example. If we get pulled over for speeding, our response has more to do with our getting caught than with breaking of the law. Our concern is not, oh, no, I violated civil statutes and endangered myself and others around me with my driving. It's more like, oh, I can't believe I'm going to get a ticket. And there's a difference in that response. Our focus is not on the law we broke, but it's on the consequence you're going to face. That when we go out and, and, and we go past the speed limit, yes, that's called breaking the law, whether we agree with it or we don't. And when you get pulled over for speeding and going over that limit, what's the first thing a police officer asks you? He says, do you know why I pulled you over? And we all lie. Nope, I have no idea. <laughs> it's immediately, we, we just play dumb. Oh, psh, I don't know, I was just singing my worship music and I must have got carried away with myself. Immediately, because what are we doing? We're trying to get out of the ticket, right? doesn't matter if we broke a law. We're just trying to work because we have regret if we get the ticket. But there's, there's, there's no repentance. How many times do we go, I did it! I was going too fast! Or maybe we need to turn to him and just say, you know, give it a try. Do you know Lord Jesus as, as your Christ and Savior? I guarantee you'll probably get two tickets after you make that statement. And now it seems a little bit unfair because they have these cameras now that can capture you with no one present. Especially, I live on the Queens borderline there, and, and, and if you go up Little Neck Turnpike, Hillside Union, they're everywhere. And you come off the cross island, all of a sudden you go from 55 to 25. There's not even like enough notice. It's not even intentional, although we're supposed to pay attention to those things. And all of a sudden you come off, and, and my ignorance is, why is everyone going so slow? And they go right past them. And then I get the ticket and realize, oh, that's why. And, and I begin to realize. And, and I don't, there's no repentance of saying, yeah, you know, I did it. My thing is, how am I going to get out of this thing? It's a regret. There's a difference. Regret focuses on how we're getting caught. And affects our lives. Repentance realizes that there's a transgression that took place. That it's violated some relationship and potentially that, that we've harmed others. There's a difference. Regret thinks about ourself. Repentance thinks about how others have been affected. Repentance sees that ultimately our sin is against God. Regret looks for an escape. Repentance looks for healing. Regret changes our situation. Repentance changes our heart. Regret tries to get God to fix something. Right? Some of us came to Christ that way. Oh God, please, just get me out of this situation. And and we really weren't repenting. We're just saying, please, get me out of my trouble. We had no change of heart. There was no change of mind because we didn't believe the fullness of that truth. So it really wasn't repentance. It was just, get me out of this. And then I want to go back to doing the things the way I want to do them. But Jesus said, a time has come. It's different than all the times. The kingdom of God is at hand. And if we understand that statement and who he is, that leads us to a place of a new believing and a new belief system and a new understanding that we can do nothing but repent and turn. Repentance seeks to be restored by God. That's what repentance does. It it seeks out that restoration, to be restored in a right relationship with God. And when we repent and believe, it's not to just just know the truth, but to begin to walk in that commitment of what we believe. that, That there's an action involved as a result of what we believe. So we have to choose what we're going to believe. Our belief is what Jesus preached in that good news and how do we respond to it. That arrival of his kingdom is at hand. Uh, an understanding of his life and his ministry and what that means. That, that Jesus is this good news to a fallen world. That's what we discover. That's what we bring into others' lives. And the question comes back that how do we respond to it? Who is Jesus and what is the kingdom of God? And how do I respond? How would I respond and, those other verses that follow verse 15 talks about that response. That when Jesus called Peter and Andrew, James and John, he called him to come follow him. You know what they had? They had a karos moment. That it was a different moment than all those times before as he called them to himself. And my hope and prayer for all of us right now, whether you need to renew your relationship with the Lord, that that you've just kind of fallen away and let regrets get in there, but there's really not this change of heart or repentance, or maybe for the first time you just haven't fully surrendered that place, that you haven't allowed this moment to be different than all other moments in your life. And Jesus is making an invitation for us, for each of us, each and every day. And whether that's for renewal, or whether that's to come to know him for the first time. But, but our belief system has to change. That we have to understand who he is. And what he's come. And what he wants you to have is a Karros moment right now in your life. And, and, and what he's doing is he's coming into our lives to change our hearts. So that we can be transformed. To be more like him. So that we can destroy the kingdoms of this world that exist in our heart. And we could live for the kingdom of our God. He makes that invitation. So I want you to pray with me right now. If you're here in person or watching online. and You just need to renew that relationship. Sometimes I need to renew it hour by hour. Moment by moment. But for some of us we need to make that decision. For the first time to say Lord I want to follow after you. I believe this to be the truth. So if you'd like to pray with me to renew or to begin to walk in that relationship with Christ, I want you to just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart, and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed in person, you prayed online, the most important thing you could do right now is you got to tell somebody. And we tell somebody because we want to begin to take that action step in that new relationship or that renewed relationship. So if you're in person, you could let a host know on your way out. Um, we'll be at one of the kiosks. You could just say, you know, I prayed that prayer. And if you're online right now, you can click a button. And if you're watching from our campus or one of the other Uh, uh, platforms. You can let us know. And what we're committed to you is a pathway of discipleship that will begin to lead you through God's perfect purpose and plan for your life. Amen? Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you.